0: Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Hey guys, welcome back to this latest episode uh, of the Rumors Are True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Chris Simpson. You know Chris from the band Mineral, the Gloria record, Zookeeper, Mountain Time. What an awesome, awesome conversation with a a buddy of mine. Um, Really been looking forward to this one. I discovered Mineral when I was a teenager, and they have been a mainstay in my rotation uh, over the past 20 plus years so it was just an awesome opportunity to um you know ask these questions that I've wondered uh, uh most of my life so uh awesome opportunity with Chris and so stoked he uh, uh gave me some of his time so I hope you enjoy this latest episode guys with Chris Simpson Hey, Chris, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thanks for having me. So tell me, man, what is up in your life right now? I know uh, last time I saw you was a couple years ago, but uh, what's going on in your life?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm just enjoying my uh, semi-retirement, you know, Uh, just uh, hanging out with the family. Like, I love being here uh, every day for, like, the routines. Um, I haven't... Well, I played a kind of solo ish show with a couple of dudes uh helping me out last week, but prior to that I hadn't played a show and like, you know, since pre pandemic. So I've really been enjoying uh the initially imposed and then sort of embraced uh hiatus in that sense. Um yeah, uh I go to school a bit, like kind of super slowly working on a social work degree in all my free time uh, with four kids. And um, also uh, I started substitute teaching this year at the school district here in town. So that's a cool gig. It's fun. Like I like getting to hang with uh, short people and uh, (laughs) the flexibility of like, I don't want to work today or I can't work today. You know, just like, yeah, picking up work when I need it you know or when I can that's cool that's cool and you know always always working on like I'm always working on a record um so I've been working on a mountain time a new mountain time record for the last couple years and that's getting pretty close like we're you know in the mixing phase and you know maybe two-thirds of the way done with the record in that sense so hopefully later this year or later than today for sure sometime after today it'll come out (laughs) that's awesome man um
0: you're in austin area still and how how's how you how are you digging it out there
1: i like it pretty good you know i've been here a long time and i i know i know it really well like i've lived here longer than any other place in my life um there's always dreams of like oh it'd be cool to go somewhere else uh but uh yeah it's it's it works for us for sure you know it's definitely a lot a lot different than it's changed a lot i mean like since i've been here
0: i bet i bet
1: i got together one time and it
0: was cool i thought it was cool we went to Stubbs (laughs) barbecue yeah yeah (laughs) that was awesome sweet man awesome well let's uh talk about i kind of you and i met a couple years ago which was really cool um when you put a show in tampa at uh, with new at new granada put it on um and i was with sun bears and that was a really cool opportunity i you know as a i'm b45 this year but uh the 19 year old me was geeking out um <laughs> <laughs> to get to meet you um and uh so yeah that and then you wind up uh mineral wind up playing um the fest a couple of days later. So we got to hang out a couple of times and yeah, man, I just uh, finally remember meeting you and it was just an awesome opportunity to, to get to know somebody that influenced me as a kid. And so, yeah, I just think back on those times and man, that was, it was really cool to meet you.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. I remember that, that time well as well. Uh, yeah. I actually came down to Tampa, Keith, Keith saw that mineral was playing fest and asked if i wanted to come down a couple days early and do a little solo thing in tampa um so yeah it was a good time that's awesome awesome man well let's talk about
0: uh chris growing up Uh, influences records bands kind of things that shaped who you are and who you become and um yeah just kind of tell me how um growing up was for you and then into the music world
1: yeah i was uh i was fortunate in that my mom uh Kind of both my parents, but particularly my mom was, like, so heavy into music. Like, uh, she's the only one in her family who didn't get a degree in music, and they're all, like, music teachers and uh, music people. And she kind of always was, too. Like, she played piano uh, since growing up. Um, And then she ended up getting, like, art and English degrees in school and uh, not really pursuing music in any professional sense. but uh she was of course just extremely passionate about music and played always playing music like uh so i really feel like that's where my love for music and passion for it started just like she was always playing music and i i just really liked it got into it you know she she would have been playing stuff like uh she played a lot of like the early bg's like the pre-disco some disco too but like she loved the bg's she loved uh the beatles and uh elton john and um she kind of got as i got a little older in the 80s started happening uh there was a lot of uh like Anne murray and like this kind of country pop kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah, I love that. And it's funny, I still kind of feel like the form of songs that I'm most interested in is kind of that, in that uh, realm, you know? Um, which is, I guess to say, just like uh, kind of lush uh, ballady pop, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Um was there any particular, um, concerts or, um, records as you started to get a little older and kind of find what you liked? What was there anything that stick out to you that, um, you know, you, you know, just talk about maybe some of those records and, and maybe a, a concert or two that you saw that kind of made you go, I want to do
1: that. Yeah. Uh, the first record I bought with my own money, uh, was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Of nice. Course, um, which was huge. Um. And then shortly after that, I got I signed up for like the Columbia oh, Music yeah. <laughs> and Records Club, and um, my first shipment through that, I remember I got uh, just kind of on a whim, like I had never really heard them, but I got the unforgettable fire record by YouTube. Oh wow! And that was kind of mind opening. Um, uh, yeah, I kind of kind of got into a ton of stuff from there um, I remember trying to like me and all my friends would try to find ways to like double up on our memberships and stuff just oh yeah then <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, I knew a guy who called and uh, gave some sob story about how uh, you know pretending to be his uh, parents and saying that their son had died <laughs> <laughs> and it if they would please cancel his membership it would, <laughs> and not stop sending reminders That's about incredible. things, they would, and then he went and signed up again. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like just trying to find music, you know, like uh, trying to get it. Uh, Michael Jackson was definitely huge. Like I, I have very strong memories of like I had my record player and I would listen to music and i would put on like michael jackson songs on the record player and then i would go to the other side of the room with my little boom box with a microphone and i'd kind of try to sing along and then you know i'd listen back to my tape which was me of course duetting with michael jackson nice. that. um it'd be pretty sweet if those tapes still existed <laughs> <laughs> uh so as i got older i got into you know like some punk and metal and like kind of you know just everything from there um at some point it wasn't cool to you know be listening to the same music as my mom so we had to I had to you know kind of take my own path but she was impressive man she was uh she kept up pretty well you know like she would I'd get into something and I'd be like oh this is like i i I remember this band autograph remember them yeah yeah in the in the hair metal days uh that turn up the radio song yeah anyways uh i bought that record and i was like oh yeah now i like metal music you know like these guys are (laughs) out there you know and then uh i my mom picked me up from school one day and she's like got that she has bought that on cassette and she's rocking it in the car and she loves it and i'm like this is terrible uh (laughs) Of course, in retrospect, I'm like, that was just, like, right up her alley. That was just, like, real polished, like, pop, yeah, yeah. You know, music. But uh, anyhow, uh, I had to get into some, some heavier stuff to get away from her. No, <laughs> I, I, I believe it. I believe it.
0: Um, <clears throat> so... Around this time, you're in your teens, I assume. Is that kind of when Mineral started to kind of come to fruition? Um, you know, I kind of let's talk about how the the beginnings of that happened.
1: Yeah, so I grew up uh, mostly in Denver, Colorado, um, and moved down to Houston. Uh, I, think I was 17 or something. And so all that time, I was just, like, writing songs on my own. I played in some, like, metal bands and stuff with friends from churches and stuff, like, uh, I played drums as my first instrument, and that was cool because there weren't a lot of drummers so like if you played drums and had drums you were like instantly in like four bands you know because mm. um, everyone's like oh I need a drummer you know um <laughs> so I played uh drums and then I moved to bass at some point and some some bands but it was never really like my thing musically um as far as my own stuff like I, I just started writing on piano and acoustic guitar and like filling up notebooks with like songs. And occasionally I would play, but they were all just real down tempo, simple chord, like acoustic music. Um, And uh, so I didn't really, you know, Mineral was in a sense, well, I, uh, so I moved to Austin in 93 And I was still just kind of like the material I had to share and show people was still just this kind of acoustic stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, I met Scott, uh, the guitar player from Mineral, uh, early on through his roommate uh, who worked at a record store. Um, I used to go to a lot and would ask him if he knew anyone looking to start a band. Uh, And he's like, yeah, my roommate plays guitar. He's good. Um, So we started hanging out and bringing each other material and, his stuff was much like Javier. He was coming from kind of a more metal place. And my stuff was like this acoustic stuff. And I don't think either of us were really like super excited about what the other person was bringing musically. (laughs) And, uh, but we were excited to be playing music with someone and excited to make something out of it. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm sure I've said this in a lot of interviews, but like the summer of, 93 when I was my first summer in Austin uh, Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins mm. came out and this record called Chrome by the Catherine Wheel yes, and strange. we we just those two records like just set a fire on us and we all of a sudden saw this like sort of common path where we're like this is something we're both into you know like yeah some sort of sound or or vibe um, and that's kind of how we started writing together um, and we had a band called I the worm mm. um, briefly before mineral that was Scott and I and a different bass player and drummer. And, um, Yeah, it was still, it, there was some cool stuff happening, but we were really still starting kind of starting to like figure out how to write together. Um, and, uh, then shortly after that, like we were good friends with, uh, Jeremy was one of my best friends, um, and uh, he played in a band with this guy, Matt, um, on drums that we just thought, those guys are like the best bass player and drummer. They were like our dream rhythm section. And yeah. then their ba- their other band broke up, and that was Nothing in Return with Tess Wiley. Who, oh, nice. I know Tess. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, their band broke up, and <clears throat> we sort of immediately broke our band up because we wanted to start a band <laughs> with Matt, Matt and Jeremy, you know. <clears throat> <clears throat> and so that was the beginning of Mineral.
0: That's cool. Um, So how long did you guys play before Crank came in the picture? Uh, You, you know, it was you know, obviously you're writing, writing songs, and I guess that question, and then also when you were writing the songs, did you feel, were, how did you feel about it? Were you like, these are kick-ass? Or were you just like, you know, just being young people, just trying to write you know, rock and roll? Like, how how were you feeling about it? And then, like I said, and then when did Crank come into the picture?
1: Yeah, um, we were just kind of doing it on our own and didn't have really any idea of, like, a scene or a specific sound. Like, I think, uh, you know, Diary, Sunny Day Real Estate came out in 94, and we were, like, definitely into that and felt, totally. like, that, felt like that was kind of, like... Ooh, that and that same year uh, that... Um, the Dinosaur Jr. record that came out that year, Um, we were, like, we were really excited about uh, to see some bands making music that felt like this is kind of, like, what we want to do, what we're doing, you know? Um, So, uh, we just were writing and playing shows when we could, like, um, and then happened to, through a friend of ours, get booked to play a show in Houston uh, with this band, Christy Front Drive from Denver. Oh, yeah. And she gave us uh, a cassette of their, this is the one uh, with, like, six songs that has I I don't know how to describe what's on the cover. But anyways, uh, we just wore that tape out. And that was really even more than, like, Sunny Day and the, um, dinosaur junior record like that was like whoa there's other bands like there's peers doing mm-hmm. kind of what we're doing you know um and so we play a show with them in houston and just kind of fell in love and uh their bass player when they got back home from tour carrie called us up and said hey let me i'm starting a record label let me put out a seven in troy and we're like what's that you know <laughs> um <laughs> but uh we were excited you know to get to put music out. So we went and recorded, uh, we had one, a first session where we recorded like Gloria and parking lot. And I think we also recorded five, eight and 10. And that song Sadder Star that later came out. um, And he put that out. And then uh, I had a good friend, one of my best friends from growing up in Denver was running like a zine at the time, hybrid magazine. And uh, Crank was advertising in his magazine. So he had sort of developed a relationship with Jeff and talked to him on the phone a lot. And Jeff was always asking him, like, you know, let me know if you hear any good bands. Uh, And so when he heard the 7-inch, he's like, oh, I'm going to send this to Jeff. Like, he'd probably dig this. Uh, And Jeff called that day and was like, well, I want to make a record with you guys. (laughs) I think he flew to Austin shortly after that to hang out with us. And uh, it was... uh, yeah, it all happened real fast. I was, yeah, I was just,
0: and you guys were uh, over eighteen at this point. I mean, was, or was, were mom and dad having to sign like what's that, no, what? No, no.
1: Yeah, we were over eighteen. Um, yeah, I mean, this would have been ninety-four. So I guess I would have been twenty. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I was the youngest of the four. So, oh, okay. Uh, I think we we're like separated about a year going up three years you know so yeah. we were like 20 21 22 and 23 or something i got you so how long after
0: signing with crank did you guys start working on the power of failing and i guess was that um maybe songs were some of the songs were written and maybe let's talk about that record in general um fantastic record love it it's revered by many so obviously you know this and i just uh want to know your thoughts on the record and kind of yeah. maybe talk about that for a little bit
1: yeah, we were just real excited to make a record. Um and uh go into a, back into the studio. Um and we had yeah, I think we had most of the stuff kind of written. So we were we were kinda of ready to go, you know, like once mm-hmm. Jeff expressed interest, we were like, Yeah, let's make a record. Um so we ended up making it in the uh I think October of uh Ninety-four, um, and it was uh, it was a good time. It was real fast, and I think we were, you know, like learning on the fly that yeah, it's not that easy to make things sound great really fast, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not. A, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of imperfections, and I think we were we had really enjoyed. Uh, working with the lady who recorded um, did our first session that we got the 7-inch out of um, and it didn't go as well as we were hoping I think but uh, we got it done and we were just so excited and grateful to be making a record and uh, I think yeah we were super excited and everything happened so fast back then it's like now it's like well we need six months to set up the release you know Mm -hmm. this and this and that and you know with with jeff and and a small independent label like crank at the time it was just like all right i'm gonna take these masters home with me and (laughs) drop them off at the plant and we're gonna have records next month you know um (laughs) so we uh yeah so it came out, and um really, through christy front drive like we would we would always wanted to tour, but we had no idea like how do you do that, you know, like how do you make that happen, and meeting them just really opened up this whole network of bands and this kind of scene that um was just so interconnected, and uh you know we could Carrie basically helped us book our first tour um and sort of showed us all the people he knew and uh just kind of took it from there you know that's so cool
0: um i know you mentioned you kind of were stoked on it but uh, what was the feeling like when you finally popped the cd in or the tape into your car or your stereo and listened to it for the first time What,
1: what were your thoughts on it yeah it was it's such an exciting feeling you know to have a record that you made like a physical thing um so, I know that was the overwhelming feeling you know uh I think there was some uh sort of natural like guy, yeah, I wish it had sounded better or we had had time to make it sound like this or do this or that, but uh ultimately, I think all of that was overshadowed by the excitement at having a record out, you know, and like a label released our record, and uh it now exists, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh,
0: what do you feel like at the time, the reception, like how, obviously I feel like it went pretty well. I remember buying it myself and hearing about it, but from your perspective, how did, how did you feel about the reception of it? Do you feel like, you know, uh, you know, as you're playing shows, people are showing up singing the songs or whatever it may be like, how, how did you view view
1: that? Yeah, it felt like it went real well. Uh, to us and like the response was really good and uh it felt uh like I don't know thinking about it in retrospect like I don't know well I should say I know that we kind of took that for granted just because we didn't know anything else you know yeah it's like um like I know now like how rare that is for something to go well you know yeah <laughs> or to release a record and have anyone care you know um So, but yeah, it was, it was great. The response was good and it just felt like it, it sort of, uh, kept picking up steam, you know, um, which, uh, was wonderful. Yeah. We, we toured for, uh, most of, uh, most of that year, uh, a couple of years really after it. And, uh, the tours and shows seem to keep getting a little bigger, and yeah, yeah more, talk to more and more people who were really excited about the record. And
0: it's awesome; it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> so you're touring your butts off, being able to, you know, get after you put this record out, and then when did Interscope kind of start coming in? Labels started coming in. It was. Did it start to become a feeding frenzy type atmosphere for you guys? You know, um, how, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, uh, uh, it's funny, I worked one and we weren't touring at this little coffee shop in town. And uh, this girl I knew was like my age, her dad, used to come in all the time. And he, I knew sort of vaguely that he was a producer and like somehow involved in music. Uh, locally and um, but I didn't know much about it but he was he came into the coffee shop one day and was like yeah so uh, my daughter was playing this record in her room the other day and I heard it and I'm like wow that's cool what is that and I went in and asked her and she told me it was your band I was like (laughs) oh cool and he was like so man that that record sounds really great like are you guys getting a lot of major label interest and at the time I remember thinking like no like why (laughs) why Why would we get that, you know? Um, but really, like, within a month or so after that, like, we were starting to get it. And I was, we were just really all very surprised. Um, the first guy who came to see us was from Interscope and was the former bass player of Blondie. And we thought that oh, was nice. really cool. So that is cool. Uh, he came to see us in Houston, and we hung out with him. And um, I think at the time, we thought maybe that was just a, oh, it was just one label interested in us but the way those things work you know they all everyone knows what everyone else is doing and they're like oh interscope's interested in these guys well maybe we should check this out uh so it quickly turned into yeah like definitely interscope arista electra um this label time bomb yeah uh, which ended up putting out a sunday day record Yeah, like they were kind of just starting out at the time and weren't indie but they had like major distro major distro and major funding so they were kind of doing things bigger um and i guess those were the the main ones that we talked to and met with um and ended up uh going with interscope just i don't know felt like the first people to the dance you know and we had been talking talking to them the longest and uh we went they flew us out to la and we uh We hung out and we talk about some of this in the book, but uh, we were in a conference room sort of talking shop about our deal. And in in the next conference room over, there was uh, Dr. Dre and his crew (laughs) working out their deal for Aftermath when they started that label. Um, And it just all felt so surreal, you know. Uh, And then we went into Jimmy Iving, one of the president's offices, after the meeting, And he had, like, John Lennon's Mellotron in there that he used on Strawberry Fields, and they were, like, best buds, and um, it was just surreal. And I think what sold me uh, was mainly Jimmy Iovine, like, uh, telling us, like, you know, I think you guys will be fine as long as you're you're driving the bus, you know, like, as long as you don't let anyone take control of what you're doing. If you just keep doing what you want to do, you'll be Mm. good, and... That, that felt impressive to me. Like it, that definitely landed well with me. And it, it's funny. Like I had no idea even who Jimmy Iving was at the time. Wow. And now uh, I certainly learned and it's was like, it's so cool that we had the opportunity to be with this sort of caliber of people and like talking to them when uh, all we had done is put out this little kind of raw record we made in five days, yeah. you know? Yeah. I bet that was cool. That's so,
0: you know, yeah. You're coming from, you know, like the humble beginnings, and it's like then you're in this position where you're like, what the hell is happening right now? You mm-hmm. know, but yeah, for sure. It's well deserved though. I mean, it's uh you know, obviously people saw what a lot of people, you know, pop people understood it and got it. So, so <clears throat> you signed with Interscope what are the next uh what's the next couple months or year or so uh before we start re- recording and serenading? how how's that ha- or what's happening in that time I guess I should say
1: yeah we're continuing to tour I think uh around that same time that we signed with Inscope we got signed with a, a actual booking agent you know who was a little bigger and um it's funny uh he was like the guy at this. He had worked at Time Bomb uh, previously, and we had met him before. But then he had left there to take this job as a booking agent at this big agency. Um, and he was like the new guy at the agency, and um, he basically like brought us and Sensfield and Jimmy Eat World and like a bunch of these bands that he was into, like to. This booking agency and because we were like his only bands at the time, uh mm-hmm. he was like, Well, let's do a tour together, you know. So like uh that's how the mineral Jimmy World Sensfield tour happened. Um and that uh that was magical. That was like playing playing real clubs with like these things on the floor that like sent your voice back to you. That was cool. <laughs> um and some shows like selling out and stuff like it was it was awesome um and then you know we were starting to write and work on internating and I think we maybe even had like a trip out to California to start recording um during all that and uh uh somewhere in that Era of like the ending of touring for power failing and writing and serenading we um yeah, just sort of uh, I got kind of disillusioned with it, um and I know Jeremy did too, um and it ended up being the two of us that kind of decided we wanted to quit the band um for my part, I really was starting to be interested in a lot of things musically that uh didn't really feel like mineral um Mm -hmm. and felt like when i would bring ideas in they weren't landing or like uh and i felt like some some creative differences not necessarily musically even just but uh also just like philosophy you know (laughs) like uh i don't know i was uh i was not the that excited about signing with a major like I probably wouldn't have if it was just my decision at the time like I I had kind of I was very protective of what we were doing and uh, not sure that it could be uh, monetized in a way that uh, wouldn't compromise what we were doing Um, so I think I I had a lot of misgivings about the way things were going Um, and then just wanted wanted to be a little more free musically um as far as sounds and uh vibes or whatever um so yeah that uh you know jeremy and i just sort of i was also kind of burnt out on touring and i had just met my now wife Mm -hmm. um and i was you know for the first time in my adult life like excited about like Oh, I kind of want to stay home and hang out with this person, you know. Yeah. Um. So there is, I think, a lot of things coming together at once that, yeah,
0: makes sense. That makes sense. Um. So, just out of curiosity, and you might have talked about this before, and I just it went, probably went past me, but since you signed with Interscope and the, was internating done before the signing, because I was gonna say they obviously didn't put it out, but
1: right, no, uh. Partially, largely, I should say, due to my uh, sort of uh, discomfort with the idea of, like, uh, the major label. Um, we sort of, uh, Interscope wanted to, like, re-release Power of Vailing. like Oh, okay. Like, do immediately, like, take over everything. Uh, and so we agreed with Jeff from crank that like, we didn't want to do that. Uh, and then, you know, we had signed, uh, I guess a two record deal with crank maybe. Um, and we really, I really wanted to put out another record with crank. And, um, uh, so interscope was like, well, you know, how about you put out another record with crank, the one you're working on now, and we'll, you know, give you, put a little money into like marketing it to help with advertising and stuff and then the next record would be with interscope so it was sort of set up contractually to where we were going to put out another record with crank regardless you know
0: yeah i got you i got you well let's talk about the in record <laughs> love it as well phenomenal record um maybe some of your thoughts and uh, memories from that from that record
1: yeah that one was much tougher um of a, a kind of birthing process or whatever. Um, we got all the music recorded and I just really didn't have lyrics and vocals for a lot of it that I was happy with yet. Um, you, had, you had a lot of ideas and things that I would sort of try out. Uh, and when we sang, when we played live, the stuff we played, it was like, you can get away with a little bit of mealy-mouthed experimentalism, you know, like uh, live if you don't know exactly what you're doing. Um yet but we got in the studio and i really realized like i don't know what I, what i'm doing on this <laughs> record yet so i think that was a lot of kind of part of the storm that led to the end of the band too you know like yeah it was the first time that momentum was sort of interrupted since we had started the thing um and i just kind of needed a lot of time to like sit with the stuff and think about it and work on vocals and melodies and um There was a lot of impatience, uh, on the part of, uh, the band, I think just wanting to keep everything moving forward at, uh, a certain pace. Um, and so, yeah, I spent a lot of time working on that stuff and, uh, really never felt good about it. Um, Mm. uh, which is cool to realize now. Um, and I realized it, you know, quite a while ago at this point, but, um, it's neat to see that record now and think, just remember how I had zero confidence in anything about it or anything I was doing on it. And it just didn't feel good at all. Um, it's cool to know that you can make uh, a really good record, yeah. you know, w- without having that, <laughs> that confidence or uh, sort of uh, certainty
0: yeah.
1: yeah, at the time. That's
0: cool. That's out. Uh, really cool. Um, uh, when you heard that record, when you you know obviously things were kind of on the downturn for mineral, but thinking back on it, when you heard the final, you know, record, how how did you feel
1: about that? I felt really good. Yeah, um, I remember thinking that it just really felt like having pulled some sort of rabbit out of a hat. You know, just because, like I said, I didn't feel super confident about what we were what was what we had to put together um and somehow it came out like really really cool um i think i think you start to see in a in a a way like you start to see a lot of the individual voices in mineral more on that record you know um partly just because of clearer production maybe, but, like, uh, yeah, I uh, I love how it turned out. It took me a while to get there. Um, I should say it took me a while to, like, not hate my part on it. Mm. <laughs> um, but now I think it's uh, great. Like, I think it's really strong work, and um, I, I definitely remember being... Excited at how it all came together at the time, but also, you know, similarly to the first one, like not wishing that I had felt better about it, you know, mm-hmm. Thank um, you. the, uh, I particularly was very excited about how it ended, you know, once we knew, so between recording the instrumentals and me finishing the vocals, the band broke up you know so it's yeah. like one, once I was actually doing the vocals I sort of knew that it was the end, uh, the end. and yeah. I also knew that like that means we don't have to do this stuff live and so I had gotten really interested in like some vocal layering stuff which I ended up doing on the last couple songs and I remember being really excited about the opportunity to do that and really pleased with how those numbers turned out
0: yeah how did um, the final tour go? I, I I didn't get to see it. I I, I saw the remnants of. It. I got to see the Get Up Kids after the fact. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like I think in the end of the tour they were headed back. I was living over in Denver actually myself, and um, yeah. How was that tour? Was it June? I think. And, yeah, Get Up yeah, Kids in yeah. June. Yeah, it was
1: yeah, yeah. really fun. We uh, you know, once we uh, we had started booking the tour. I think like a little bit before we decided to break up, and then we were like, well, let's let's just make it the last tour and, you know, make it really good. And, um, so we sort of knew it was the last tour. Um, and it was a really great time. Like we, we love the people in those bands and just felt like a lot of positive energy and people that I think were on the ascendant, you know, it always feels, always feels good to, have those people, yeah, on a yeah. on a tour, you know, very cool.
0: Um, I'm gonna ask you probably an impossible question, but what's your favorite song from Mineral that you've that you've that you written?
1: I think MD has always been my favorite for some reason, and I'm not even sure why exactly, but uh, hmm. um, yeah, That's I cool. think so. Very cool
0: um okay mineral ends this is the beginning of the gloria record um okay. yeah so let's talk about uh maybe your thoughts on putting that together and have you know and then uh, the records and the, the ep and the record that you put out Liz. let's talk about how that kind of happened
1: yeah so uh i was excited to reconvene with uh my friend matt who had been the original drummer in mineral um but never recorded with us um and Jeremy, um, we were all just in Austin and uh, excited to make music. And I was really excited, excited to start incorporating like acoustic and, uh, you know, like piano and organ and things that um, into it. And so the, the really, I had these songs and it was really more of a um, viewed as a recording project, like. I don't think Jeremy or I thought we were gonna start another band immediately, or like just jump back into like touring yeah. and all that um so it was really viewed as this just, just like let's have fun and uh make a make a record and um we went out to a studio in Fredericksburg that was uh which is like you know an hour hour and a half from Austin, and there was guest houses at the studio was on this ranch so It was a fun, like, getaway to make a record, which was different than any way I had made a record before. Yeah. Um, We just all set up camp and, you know, worked around the clock. And um, we had a a really great time, and we're really excited about how it came out. And we were, like, involved in every step of the process. Like, I remember mixing that record is one of my fondest memories because it was, like, all of us and the engineer, like, in the room, like, all right, you're in charge of this fader. You got to bring it up here and then you got to bring it out here. And you got it like every it was hands on everyone um, as we were mixing that EP. Um, so that felt like a really satisfying, exciting experience. And, and I remember we were really excited about how it turned out. Um, so, are
0: you specifically talking about the Gloria Record EP or overall? sorry oh
1: i didn't know
0: which record you were talking about i apologize
1: sorry i was just no that's okay i was talking about the the oh the band in general i gotcha the self well the self-titled EP. i was talking essentially about that that's what i was yeah yeah that's what Mm -hmm. i meant yeah yeah i loved
0: as i say when i first heard that i was floored i mean because it was like an extension of mineral in a a sense you know but Mm -hmm. it was just you know more of a you know more of a color palette if you will or or Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed that about it um and that was cool that you got to work with Crank again, obviously, and he yeah. was, you know, so you, you it seemed like that's your go-to at this point, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely excited to do it. Um, you know, he was as much, if not more so, than other Mineral members, was devastated by the end of Mineral. I bet, so I bet. He was yeah. He was heartbroken. He really didn't want it to end. Um, but he was definitely supportive uh, and wanted to help out with what we were doing you know that's cool that's awesome um so you toured on this a little bit obviously
0: how, how did that how was that how was the reception for that
1: that was okay you know like once we started booking tours it's uh it felt like immediately different you know like uh in that like matt wasn't really into touring so had to get a drummer and then we added a keyboard player. So then that that period between uh the self titled EP and Loland Traffic was uh definitely like a real transition period, yeah. you know. Because it was like, all right, so we're officially doing another band now, you know. Um and it's not these four people who made the the EP. Uh and it's not this like isolated creative environment. It's just like a band and we're just writing songs. And uh, so it took a while to settle into that and to kind of get the lineup shaken out um, to what it became before we recorded Law in Traffic, which, you know, was the the five piece that carried through Start Here. And that group of people, once we all got together, felt really special. Um, We're just, I don't think I've ever been like closer in a band like just like we were just best friends and like it was our whole world you know this band and music and uh drinking pbr you know <laughs> um so we we just yeah it was uh it was really exciting um we went and recorded that uh Lolan traffic ep with mike Mogus in oh, Alaska, nice. and love mike and had known him for a while and was really hadn't really like i've met him through bands and stuff like i hadn't really uh, taken in like how how great he was as a yeah. producer and uh, engineer um so that was really exciting to get to know him in that way and uh, then obviously we carried that relationship on through uh start here and uh we even started recording some more stuff after that with him before the band broke up um, but, yeah, that was a cool piece to come together. Um, the touring, as far as the touring with the Gloria record, like, it took a long time to feel like we were making much headway, and I think there was some disillusion at first um, about, well, everything seemed to just come so easily for Mineral, yeah. you know? Like, everything just happened real quickly and easily, and things kept getting better, and uh, in some ways it felt like a step back, you know, or a step down, Um in that regard, and, and yeah, that has continued, I think, in a sense, you know, for everything I've done since (laughs) So I've certainly gotten used to it. Um, But the... uh, We did find a groove, and I think, like, when all the touring we did for Start Here, like, uh, it felt like we were really making some headway and kind of getting a name for ourselves and, like, uh, fans of our own. And, you know, certainly... Some of that a good amount of that I'm sure carried over from mineral, but uh but it finally felt like it was kind of had its, its own, own band it's own yeah, band. Yeah. its own identity,
0: yeah um and on start here, you wound up putting that on, on what arena rock or was that mm-hmm. what what why didn't you go with crank what was the yeah um,
1: I think there was a real uh, desire to you know part of like giving this band its own identity and its own voice. Like it felt important to me and Jeremy, I know, especially to like get it out from under the shadow of Mineral and, uh, find different people, new people gotcha. to work with who might, you know, be able to take it different directions. And, and also at the time, I think crank was starting to do less and less. Um, mm-hmm. and it, they had they started a company called Saul Goodman that was like oh yeah uh, distro and mail order and it kind of seemed like a lot of their resources and time were going more towards that than the label at the time so it seemed like a good time to try something different you know I got you that makes sense um the
0: start here record how did you feel about that record and I guess the in the traffic kind of give me your your thoughts on on those um.
1: Yeah, um, blowing Traffic, uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think we, you know, the usual, like, I wish this could have been better, um, <laughs> uh, or, or different, but, um, and, and again, it was, like, a bit of a fast process, like, yeah. recording it. Um, so, but I liked how it turned out. I liked, um, I think in retrospect, it was kind of, uh, the sound and, and songs on that were a little bit kind of transitional, you know, um, between the EP sound and like what we ended up settling on more as we, as it solidified with start here. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I think, and i love start here like i think we were so excited about that okay we were probably too excited about it you know we were (laughs) probably like this is the best record ever everyone's gonna love this this is gonna blow up you know uh but we were we were excited about it we had spent a lot of time on start here which is kind of how we had always wanted to make a record sure and hadn't been able to before that um and so we really spent it was just many 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 trips to nebraska and when we were there you know we would just like set up camp in the studio and mike had an apartment around the corner that he would go sleep in eventually at some point every night for a little (laughs) while and we would just like have the run of the place but we were just there all day and night like for a couple weeks at a time like on these trips there and there was probably at least two or three of those to make that record so uh it was a really fun time, fun to be that immersed in making a record and really experimenting with sounds and. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool
0: because uh, I know you mentioned you know in the past you're you're just blistering through three you know three to five days and now you're getting a chance to actually tweak tweak the knobs a little and and all that. So, is the, did you enjoy obviously enjoy that more so, or did you like? the spark of the, you know, having to blister those records out. Like, what I mean, there's probably going to be a, a massive difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I loved the way we got to do it with Start Here. Um, and at the time, I don't think any other way would have satisfied us. But um, I can certainly see in retrospect, and, and since then, uh, I can look back and see that, like, there's there's something really special about the immediacy of like a clock and like having to just move quickly, you know, because it it doesn't allow you to overthink anything. Like you just do the best you can and get it done, you know? Um, and I think the longer I've worked creatively, the more I've realized that like one of the most important things for creativity is, uh, limitations you know like you have yeah. to figure out what your limitations are because that often is what you know kind of spurs or creativity um so i've I've learned to embrace limitations at the time i don't think we wanted any you know sure. <laughs> we wanted to pretend there were none um yeah. and there's something to be said for that too you you can learn a lot and and you can find some sounds and things that you wouldn't have found if you didn't have the time to slow down and sure. uh, expand sure. things. Yeah. Sweet man. So,
0: <clears throat> start here comes out. You obviously uh, tour a little. Uh, obviously on that. Um, wh- when does the? When do you see the beginning of the end, or when? When mm-hmm. does the end begin? I guess. it's, 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 it's a...
1: Yes. Yes. Um, it's similar in a sense to uh, the the changes between power failing and inserting with mineral it's like we got the record out and toured it for a year and a half two years and things were going really well and we were trying to write another record and it just like didn't feel i didn't feel good about i i felt like i was disengaging and like not interested in what mm-hmm. we were doing um as much musically, like I wasn't as involved and, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have to be in that band. There was a lot of people writing music, which we kind of all wrote together. So musical ideas were plentiful and Mm -hmm. constantly being developed. And I sort of felt like it was moving forward without me in a lot of senses, Mm. because, uh, a lot of it wasn't myself. Like, I think this, like, uh, I was born in Omaha, my funeral party, ambulance there was a handful of songs that were like these were just my songs that i brought in but a lot of a lot of it was stuff that uh we would just write together and then i would put vocals on and so we were doing that almost exclusively with the second the never to be second record and uh i was just not finding my place in it not feeling right and and again i started like The stuff I was listening to and interested in was all of a sudden, you know, like Leonard Cohen and Van Morrison and like all these things that like I wanted to do something different all of a sudden, you know, that didn't seem like it was right for this band, you know. Um, So it was, uh, yeah, again, I I found myself uh, kind of ending a band because I didn't feel it anymore, you. you know. Well, at least you were honest, you know, instead of dragging
0: it along and getting to a point where you're just like, this is, you know, and then you're jaded about it even more so, you know? Yeah. Um, so that ends. Do you take kind of a hiatus on music for a little bit? Is that kind of, and you know, starting Zookeeper not long after that? Kind of yeah. about
1: that time. Yeah, you know, I just I started writing uh, almost immediately and just like really things really opened up for me once I decided like I just want to write simple songs on my own and find people to help me uh, play them and record them when the time comes. But mostly I was just writing and uh, super excited about just returning to In a way it was a return to my roots, like how I started writing music, uh, just like simple acoustic chords and yeah. uh, vocals and um so it felt really exciting uh to do that and then you know, soon I started uh just meeting a lot of people. Like I, I had been in Austin a long time at that point and knew a lot of people, um and started meeting like really opening my eyes to like Austin has just got so much music and yeah. such a huge music scene. And I, I think as mineral and the glory record. We always kind of felt like outsiders to that. Like uh, we were always more interested in touring and um, doing things outside of town. But uh, in the zookeeper days, I really looked around and saw like how much creative energy and players there are in Austin. And, and because I was doing something that was, a little simpler and a little more free to be whatever sound wise. Uh, it was a cool opportunity to tap into a lot of that and get a lot of people involved and uh, a sort of exciting crew of people kind of coalesced around the songs. And um, yeah, I just started playing and having fun. Like that was definitely the most like uh, free time of my life. I was, uh, You know, drinking and partying and uh, playing music. And that's kind of all I wanted to do, you know? Um, Yeah. uh, So I I didn't have a lot of uh, expectations, I don't think initially about like what I wanted the band to be or I know I wanted to make records. Like that's kind of all I've ever wanted to do. Um, So that's how that all came to be. Let's talk about that Pink Chalk record. I love that record. Um, Oh, thank you. Fantastic
0: record. Uh, yeah, l- give me your thoughts on that and, and kind of how that came to be, and and uh, yeah. your your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, so what I was describing as far as getting all these other people involved and just like this freedom of just like throwing throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, like sure. kind of thing, is kind of how the first EP and uh, full length were made. Um, the stuff that is now on Saint Francis Zookeeper. Uh, reissue. Um that stuff was very much just like I was really into like Dylan and the band and like this kind of loose, like energetic yeah. folk rock thing. Um and that was what I was interested in then. And then uh that all kind of fell apart. Like my uh party ways kind of all of a sudden were like, <laughs> well maybe maybe he's not partying. Maybe he's a drug addict. You know oh, wow. Um, so that all sort of came down around the time that like I was, my wife and I were getting married and mm-hmm. thinking about starting a family. And so everything really kind of screeched to a halt. Um, and uh, I was on my own again, you know, <laughs> like a bunch of the people that I had been playing with in zookeeper had like moved to different cities and States. And it just like, it, it was just me again and I decided I wanted to make a record where it was just me, you know, and kind of embrace that. And, uh, my, uh, I also started recording with, uh, my still, uh, collaborator. That is my guy, um, Doug Walseth. Um, and he would record the stuff. I would just bring it over to his place and, uh, he would kind of help. He would play something here or there, but like, Mostly he was just kind of helping shepherd the stuff and record it. Um, and it felt really good to make a record uh, kind of by myself and like play as much of the instruments as I could myself. Um, and just make a record that's, that was really just me. Like a lot of those songs on Pink Chalk where we had our oldest kids now in 2011 and that record was 2014. So we uh, we started, you um, I started writing, a lot of those songs were written, like, kind of in those first couple years of being a parent and just really being much more sort of grounded and uh, rooted in my life. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so, did you get to, I mean, I obviously, I got to see you in Tampa. Did you get to tour much on, on the record or was it just kind of like a show here and there or? You yeah know, family family life's in control you're you're just doing them here and there
1: yeah yeah um well also that record came out in 2014 and that was also the year that mineral reunited and yeah did, yeah. Our, did our first reunion tour the year we met you know uh, yeah so that was all simultaneous. and what's funny is i finished that pink chalk record and i was like oh uh what am i gonna do now like do i want to make it a band again. And like, mm-hmm. cause it kind of felt like I'd be starting from ground zero again. Um, but before I really had to figure any of that out, the mineral reunion started into the works. And, uh, so I just sort of shifted focus to that and, um, did that for a while. Uh, and by the time I got done with, we toured just a ton in 2014 and 2015. And then, uh, but by the time we finished like fall of twenty fifteen was that hum like sure. on the west coast, and then uh after that, I came home and I was like, just really, all right, well, what's next? you know, and yeah. that's when uh started working on the mountain time uh what would become the mountain time music for looking animals record um again with my friend Doug, and this time I was like i I want to make a record this same way where I'm like responsible for everything, but I want to be wise and, uh, bring people in who are really good at playing their instruments to play on (laughs) rather than me, rather than me trying to play the drums, say like the bass, you know? Um, and I knew I wanted, uh, to really explore more as far as like strings and horns and like, uh, those aspects of it. Like I knew I wanted like some, some ladies singing background vocals and like, I had kind of a palette yeah. in mind.
0: Uh, what, uh, so, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thank no, you go ahead. Out. So that's Is how that?
1: that one started.
0: Um, what uh, spurred the name change uh, between Zookeeper and Mountain Time?
1: Yeah, it was uh in a way it almost felt like uh, in retrospect, it almost feels like uh, pink chalk should be where the name change occurred because uh, that I feel like is where the process really changed to just be much more autonomous and me and not like some huge group of people in a room, you know, Um, but I think the reasoning behind it was um, mostly just, nominal like I wanted uh I didn't the zookeeper name was weird and there was uh, other bands using it and all of a sudden like uh my buddy Tim Kasher from Cursive uh was living in Chicago at the time and he texted me one day and he's like are you really playing in Chicago Wednesday night I'm like oh not that I know of but that sounds fun uh and so I went and found that some band from Chicago called Zookeeper was uh playing in Chicago that night, which made ah. more sense than me playing in Chicago that night. But I also discovered that, like, online, like, there are, like, bands in town or whatever the tour the shows yeah. app is. Like, theirs had all their shows listed, but it had a picture, our promo picture. So it was, like, with a picture of me and all these people and then their shows. And I I don't know. It just felt like, all right, well, maybe we just find a different name for it. Yeah. Like, uh, and what's funny is that I had a lot of friends and uh, mountain time was a nickname during the zookeeper era, which was given to me by a boss at a restaurant for being prone to being an hour late uh, (laughs) to my job in central time. But he also knew that I had grown up in Colorado and thought it was a really fitting nickname. Um, And I I had a lot of friends at the time that I named zookeeper that were like, Oh, you should call it mountain time. You should call it mountain time. Um, And I I was resistant to it at the time, but then, when it seemed like time to find a different name, I was like, well, well, guess we'll just use that. Yeah. Um, let's talk
0: briefly on you joining Spartan records. Uh, mm-hmm. John Frazier, amazing guy. Yeah. Um, done. He's done a fantastic job. I think overall with, with the bands he, um, uh, has on his label, and yeah, just talk kind of how that materialized, and uh, maybe briefly touch on music for Looking Animals. I know you had kind of mentioned it before, but just kind of your thoughts on, on how that turned out.
1: Yeah, I love how that turned out. Um, I <clears throat> at some point during the making of it, I think 2016, uh, I decided that I had to like actually. Probably just get sober, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because I was, it had been a struggle for me. And um, I had, uh, in some ways, sort of overcome some of the worst of it, maybe, or gotten away from it um, prior to um, having kids. But uh, it was still a lingering issue, you know, like I I just didn't really... uh, uh, i didn't love just being straight me you know um so it was always a little too easy of a temptation to just push some kind of button to like uh change that um so i I finally realized like first of all i think i realized like obviously i have to do this um for myself and for you know my family etc um but i also think at some point I realized when we were working on music for looking animals, like I think I might have to do that in order to like really make the record I want to make too, you know, um, with this one. So it feels really important to me as a record for a lot of those reasons. Um, the, the kind of process of making it involved a lot of, uh, transformation for me and, um, I'm super happy with, uh, how it turned out. And I was, have been real tickled to work with John like he's you know I sent it around to a lot of people um the record and uh I think I'm received uh let me count one phone call back uh which was from John and uh <laughs> he was just so passionate and excited and like uh it reminded me of like first time talking to Jeff from Crank and Greg from uh Arena Rock like just, I love meeting people from labels, uh, and them just, just knowing that they are super passionate and super like there for it. And, uh, just involved. And, uh, I don't know. That's, it it seems like a a really important ingredient. And to me in like feeling good about putting a record out with a label, um, is that you can see that there will be this personal relationship and and that there is this passion for uh, what they do that uh, John definitely has in uh, spades. Yeah, yeah, very cool.
0: So uh, you mentioned the 2014 mineral reunion. You want to kind of touch on that just a little bit and kind of tell me how that uh, came to be and how that was for you and then the home tour and whatnot. So, yeah, just kind of want to know your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. It was amazing.
1: Thanks. It was uh it was so fun. Um I have such fond memories particularly of the, the the first kind of round of that 2014 2015. Um in that, you know, uh it felt like a really important thing for me to like reconnect allow myself to reconnect with that part of my life. Um I think for so long I wanted to get away from that part of my life or get out from under the shadow of it, you know? Um, and to be able to kind of openly embrace it and look back at it and dive back into it was, uh, was really cathartic and, uh, and to get to go play uh, for big crowds of people and really great venues, like uh, was just awesome, you know, to tour, tour the world, you know, like, uh <clears throat> it's so many ways it was just such a like kind of dream come true, like, uh, and such an ideal way to get to re-experience mineral, you know? Um, so that was a really, really wonderful time. Um, you know, it was still 2014. Uh, like I said, I, I, ended up getting sober in 2016. So there was still a lot of, I was still struggling with a lot of things. Um, but that was such a wonderful, like positive, force uh those tours and reconnecting with that material and getting to getting to really make some people happy you know um uh including myself uh it was it was a wonderful time
0: yeah as i say um did i'm sure a lot of people came up to you during those tours and you know told you how those records meant to them how did how that make you feel um you know just being able to connect with people that might not have, not have never seen you like myself or people that did get to see you back in the day you know it's just like how, how yeah. was that for you
1: yeah it was great uh it was you know just reaffirming and like uh just uh it's so wonderful to know that like something you did so long ago when you were so young and didn't feel like you had any idea what you were doing, uh, connected uh, with a fair amount of people and that that it really resonated with them and really helped them, you know, like, and it felt beyond just casual. A lot of it just feels beyond casual music fandom, you know? Uh, It it feels like there's a, a bigger element to it that for a lot of people, who would come up and talk to me uh, that felt like it was much more tied into just like the, 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 this meaning in their lives, you know, um, yeah. something, something deeper than just like, I uh, dig your tunes, you know? Um, so that's, that's always gratifying. And I have that relationship to music myself. So I, I, I understand it you know and it's really really gratifying to get to experience to get to you know take in that other people have had that connection with music i've made you know yeah very cool um let's uh,
0: briefly touch on the book uh one day when you're young um and the two songs that you got to you know obviously put out uh aurora and your body is the world like fantastic songs i remember right. when i heard them i was like it's still mineral but it's new mineral and i, I you know it's just a more mature mineral if i can say that mm-hmm. yeah kind of talk how that uh kind of happened and
1: um how your thoughts on on those songs yeah i like them uh I, I think we were real happy with how they came out it was not an easy process to make them um there's a lot of uh you know, like when you decide to do something like that, uh, there's a lot of sort of conscious planning that has to go into it because sure. obviously we're not, uh, I don't know, you, you have to really choose to do it. Um, and then you have to, uh, and then it doesn't just happen on its own. So it, it was a lot of work to, to get there. We We had a lot of ideas floating around and I kind of started just by like, you know having relearned the mineral songs for the tours and and sort of re-learning my relationship with the electric guitar the way it was then and the sort of chords i was drawn to and tunings and whatnot like i just started playing around uh in that realm you know those sort of tunings and chords and seeing what sort of new ideas I came up with. Um, and, and then Jeremy was also bringing in a lot of uh, musical ideas. Um, and Your Body is the World is uh, something he brought in. Um, Aurora is something more like what I just previously described, the, like trying to play around with the sort of chords and voicings of the older Mineral songs, but come up with some new stuff. Um, so to me, they feel very like, different, you know, um, mm-hmm. to one Absolutely. another, and I think they represent two different ways of revisiting Mineral, you know, like, uh, and I, I love them both. They were both extremely difficult for me, as usual, to uh, come up with vocals and lyrics and melodies I was happy with for, especially Jeremy's song. It's always harder to come up with stuff to another person's material, um, but I am so happy with how it turned out, and I'm so glad that it happened. And uh, I love both of those tunes. Uh, I part- in retrospect, I probably like "Your Body Is the World" more. Like I love, I'm a fan of uh, kind of shorter, concise, yeah, poppy material. You know, yeah.
0: Um, how did you dig when the book? You know, the book to, to like how that, that must have felt awesome, and uh, you know, to see those memories and those. Um, things of the past, you know, uh, how did you guys feel about that? Was it kind of a validating thing for you guys just to have something in print, something that's just, you know, a forever uh, keepsake for people?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it felt really cool. We were a little reluctant about the whole idea, you know, like the idea kind of evolved, uh, quickly over time, um, and went from like, you know, we're going to put out some box set where we, like, remanufacture everything, like the records and the seven inches. And when we were thinking along those lines, we were like, and then maybe we'll have some little booklet in there. So we were starting to think about what we could put together for that. And then we started pricing things out and realizing, like, this is going to (laughs) be, like, a really expensive product that most of our fans are not going to, like, properly buy. Uh, So we were like, well, how do we, we don't really, we just reissued the two records. We don't really need to do those again. So then it's like, do we just do like a little seven inch box with all the seven inches in it? And anyways, we basically like came down to like, oh, maybe we just make the book that we're, the little book we were going to put in there, like bigger, you know, like put the material there. And uh, yeah, so it, uh, uh, our manager hired uh, Misha Perlman, yeah, you know, yeah, who wrote it? Who is a great writer? Who writes for a lot of different things? And thought he would be a good fit. Um, and we had never met him, but he flew down to Austin and hung out with us uh, for a long weekend. And it was uh, it was really cool to get to know him. And I feel like he really got the story out of us in a way that felt surprising, and also was just really good for us because the four of us had never sat down and like talked through it all before that, you know? Yeah. We had all talked here and there to each other one-on-one, but uh, it felt cool to all sit down and revisit it and talk about it. And uh, yeah, I remember, I still remember thinking like, there's no way we're going to get a book out of this, you know? (laughs) Um, But uh, we gave him a list of other people to interview, like to talk about that time period and all this stuff. And, after he did all those conversations, he came back to us with the idea of, like, I think we should just print them all, like, the full transcripts of the conversations, because they're all interesting. And, and it's cool to let other people tell their story about Mineral and what it meant to them, as opposed to just taking quotes from their things and sticking yeah. things to the Makes Mineral sense. story, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it all came together kind of quickly um, and with us not sure what was happening. Uh, but the songs were very deliberate like we had to we had to do those on purpose um and that was uh that was fun
0: it's awesome well i think it turned out fantastic i and i'm I'm glad you guys got to do it at least uh you know to get back in the saddle you know and, and be able to do something creative together again that, that was really cool so yeah this felt good sweet man well Chris, I know you can't tell the future, but what's the future like for you, bud? Like, uh, I know you said you got some new Mountain Time stuff coming, a new record. So kind of tell me what the future looks like for
1: you. Well, I'd like to uh, continue making records, um, you continue writing songs. Uh, I like playing shows, okay? Um, it's uh, it's something that I, I think I'm... I'm interested enough in that i'm going to keep doing it here and there um the playing shows i mean the rest of it i think i'll probably be doing for the rest of my life you know um i just think like there's always a next record i want to make sometimes it takes me a while to figure out what it is but uh i don't know what it will be in the future what those records will be but i think uh that sort of cycle or creative process for me in my life is, uh, it's sort of the frame over which everything else gets laid, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I really hope to be always want to be like a, a, a better, more present and whole like person for my sure. family and myself and, uh, the other people in my world. Um, so those are my goals, which are not terribly lofty, you know, like I'd like to keep making records and I'd like to keep being here uh, and, and growing and learning.
0: Yeah. Very cool.
1: Dude, thank you so much
0: for your time. It's been oh, such welcome. an awesome conversation to be able to reconnect and man, I, I just really appreciate your time and, and thank you so much for doing this.
1: Well, thanks for having me, man. It's great to talk to you. I'm I'm so glad you reached out. And, yeah, it feels like uh, we've talked off and on since we've met, like, here and there at shows or whatnot. Yeah. feels feels cool to talk a bit longer. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time
0: and hope to talk to you soon, dude. All right. You too, Jeremy. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you to the listener for tuning in uh, to this latest episode. Um, couldn't do it without you, so I really appreciate it. Man, uh, thank you so much to Chris Simpson. Awesome uh, that you gave me your time, so thank you so much for that. Uh, got some great stuff coming up uh, in the future. Uh, add me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like, at the Rumors Are True cast. If you want to like and subscribe, go ahead. Um, you know the drill I'm I'm not into paying pay a rig for it so anyway guys thank you again for uh, tuning in and got some amazing guests coming up and uh, man nostalgia is a hell of a drug